they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July the 15th. Are we ready to fall more deeply in love with Jesus Christ and to be more committed to his holy word and to follow him no matter where he leads? All right, we are going to start with prayer today. I thank you all for joining us. I thank our benefactors, the radio stations that pick us up and carry our signal. Thank you. This is all, we're all in this together, people. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ trying to spread the word of God and uh, live more faithfully the the gospel that Jesus Christ gave to us. So we'll start with the Angelus because it's noon and we'll begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. We will ask the angels to join us here and to give us light. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to inspire us and enlighten us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I digress here for a moment. Something occurred to me as I was praying that prayer. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. I, I bring this up because, you know, when we teach children prayers, they don't always understand the words, and sometimes they get, they get you know, confused. I remember once my mother was teaching my nephews the Hail Mary, and they said, Hail Mary, full of grapes. And my mother, my sisters and I were in the room when we started. And my mother's like, get out of here. I'm trying to teach these boys their prayer. (laughs) They're all under the age of five. You know, it's like they don't always understand the words. You know, we sometimes say them very quickly and run them together. And and, and I, I ran into this idea as an adult. Some people think that the Blessed Virgin Mary was miraculously conceived in her mother's womb, that she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
And the prayer doesn't, the, the angelus doesn't say she was conceived. It says she conceived. There's only one virginal conception in the history of mankind. That's the virginal conception of Jesus Christ in his mother's womb. The immaculate conception does not mean that Joachim and Anne didn't have normal conjugal relations and that, that Mary wasn't the result of. Mary was the result of the normal conjugal relations between Joachim and Anne, which are holy and sacred, which God made, and they are holy and beautiful. Please read the catechism on the dignity of the human person and on the beauty of married love and the meaning of conjugal relations, okay? So, so it's not that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary conceived Jesus Christ in her womb by the, by the Holy Spirit. There's only one virginal conception in the history of mankind. There's only one virgin who ever gave birth to a child, and that was the Blessed Virgin Mary. The, the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, was conceived in a normal way by her parents' conjugal relations, although miraculously because... And jo- Anne was Anne and Joachim were both advanced in age. God can do that. Okay, so um, it's not it's not defying uh, nature. It's going beyond the laws of nature, and God can do that. So God doesn't defy the nature. He doesn't defy the reality and the science that He made. God, by the way, made everything that is. So all of science is the study of what God made and discovering what God made and and what how it works and works together. And so um, when you know science very well, there's, there's one scientist who once said, you know, the more you know about science, the more you begin to believe in God, if you're honest intellectually, you know. Again, that God exists is not an article of faith. That God exists is a self-evident truth. It's evident from the fact that if you have creation, you have to have an uncreated creator. The Greeks used to say, if you have movement, you have to have an unmoved mover. If you have beauty, you have to have an a source, an uncreated source of that beauty. Even the pagans knew that. So um, we are here today. We're, we're looking at the letter of Peter. We were looking at that last week. We're still looking at it. There's so much here in this letter. It's so rich. The scriptures are so rich. God's holy word speaks to us, and it speaks to us about how we should be living our lives day by day. And and it doesn't change. God doesn't change. Yes, circumstances change. And, and one historian recently said, he said, you know, if you look carefully at history, actually, the only thing that changes are the names and the places. The mistakes of history keep being repeated by man because <laughs> we don't learn from the past. So let's learn and go forward and not repeat the mistakes of the past. Let's live according to God's holy will and build the kingdom of God here on earth. So what do we have here in Second Peter? Peter says, this is First Peter 2. So put away all malice, all guile, and insincerity, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation. For you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but in God's sight chosen and precious, and like living stones Be yourselves built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and he who believes in him will not be put to shame. To you, therefore, who believe he is precious But for those who do not believe, the very stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone 
and a stone that will make men stumble, a rock that will make them fall. For they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's not the whole of that chapter, but we're going to stop there and look at this. So put away all malice, all guile, all insincerity, all evil, envy, all envy and slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation. For you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And what is the kindness of the Lord? His mercy in forgiving sinners, his mercy in freeing us from the domination of sin. And how is it in the book of Hebrews, it said the children remain slaves to sin. It doesn't say sin, but that's what the, the scripture is referring to it, through through what? Through their fear of death. Through their fear of death. So Adam and Eve let their trust in God die in their heart and they sinned. They sinned against God. They rebelled against his plan. And by that, they became slaves of sin. And Jesus came to free us from slavery to sin. So what are we supposed to put away? Malice, guile, insincerity, envy, slander, we need to examine our conscience. Do we find malice in our hearts? Do we sometimes find guile? There's no guile in that man, Jesus said about Bartholomew. Here is a, a true Hebrew in whom there is no guile. And, you know, insincerity, envy, slander, these things are all sins. They separate us from God and they separate us from one another. Remember the Lord's first commandment is, and this sums up the first part of the law, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus put that a, a stricter command on us at the Last Supper. He said, love one another as I have loved you. We're supposed to love like Jesus loves. So we ask God to lend us his love with which to love him, that, we may, that he may be loved as he deserves, St. Therese of Lezu taught us, and to ask Jesus for his heart to love our neighbor so that we can love our neighbor as Jesus loves our neighbor and loves us. And so we have to put away the malice, the guile, the insincerity, the envy, and the slander so that we can be built up into a holy temple. And, and, and the spiritual food, the milk for which we long, is the word of God and most especially the Holy Eucharist, where the Lord nourishes us on his own flesh and blood so that we can grow up and truly become living images of Christ and, and to spread his word because we have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And again, because we have received mercy, we too are to be merciful to those around us. You know, if, if we are condemning our neighbor, then we're asking God to condemn us. So we beg for the grace, and it's not an easy thing. Again, the emotion of anger is there to correct, to, to move the just man to correct injustice, but it may not be for me to correct this injustice. Sometimes I endure it in union with Jesus Christ but I renounce the sin of anger so that I do not end up angry and turning away from God because 
of the pain within me. I hear the music. We're coming up against a break. Thank you for joining us on this Friday, July 15th. Don't go away. We'll be back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July 15th. And Terry is um, out doing other, yeah, taking care of other things that he needs to take care of. So my guardian angel and I are here and we're, um, we're hoping and praying that all of us will draw closer to Christ. So we're looking at the letter of Peter and we're on chapter 2. And in the, in the first part, the, it said there, um, like newborn infants, long for, fear, for pure spiritual milk. And I mentioned that that's the Word of God, it's the, script, it's the Eucharist, but it's also the sound teachings of the church. There is a sacred deposit of faith that Christ left to his church. And so we, Holy Mother Church brings us this instruction and growth in faith by coming to know the truths of the faith. We grow in faith. See Hebrews 5.12. So, and St. Bede says this, the simple element of faith can be sought from the breasts of Mother Church. That is from the teachers of the Old and the New Testament. So yes, the Holy Scriptures, Jesus Christ himself in the Eucharist, but most, and, 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 and also the most especially Jesus in the Eucharist, but also the sound teachings of the church, the dogmas and doctrines of the faith. Our faith is not primarily about dogmas and doctrines in terms of that's what it is. Our faith is a personal relationship with God who loves us. It's a relationship with someone. There's one God who happens to be three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God loves us. And this is what the essence of our faith is, this love relationship. So Peter goes on to talk about this, um, the living stone that was rejected. Remember, Jesus said that. He said, I am the stone rejected by the, the builders, which has become the cornerstone of the temple. And that's, you know, a quote from the Old Testament. It's, uh, um, I believe that's Psalms. And um, that, what is it? The stone which the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone. And that, yes, yeah, Psalm 118. But it goes on, a stone that will make men stumble, a rock that will make them fall. That's Isaiah 8, 14 and 15. So Peter quotes here several Old, passage, Old Testament passages. In, in um, 2 Peter 2, 6, he quotes from Isaiah 28, 16. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and he who believes in him will not be put to shame. And again, Look at the way the Lord speaks. He said, I'm laying a cornerstone and he who believes in him will not be put to shame. The cornerstone is Christ. It's a he, it's not an it. It's, it's the second person of the blessed Trinity become man. By the way, Jesus Christ only had one person. He's the second person of the blessed Trinity with two natures, a human and divine nature. So he becomes man. He is the stone that God is laying in Zion and he is precious. This stone is precious to those who believe. But for those who do not believe, this is the stone that was rejected by the builders. And again, when Jesus comes, the leaders of the Jewish people reject him. They reject him. But that stone then becomes a stone that will make men stumble, a rock that will make them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Now remember, we're not predestined to sin. God doesn't predestine anyone to sin. But God knows what our choice is going to be. 
And he will give us grace. If we ask for the grace to obey, we will receive that grace if we're asking sincerely. But God will not be mocked and we will not waste his graces. So we have to sincerely humble ourselves before the Lord and come before him in our need and say, Lord, I need you. I need your grace and mercy. I need your help to live this life that you're asking me to live. And what is this life? But you are a chosen race, a royal priest, and a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what is this? We are supposed to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, God's own people, a holy nation. So we are to be holy as God himself is holy. That's what Jesus told us in the gospel. So we have to strive for this holiness and beg God to share with us his holiness and his grace so that we can give up our sins and and live this holy life. And in these passages, um, by the way, there, there are lots of references to the catechism in the Catholic Church, uh, par- number 901, number 1141, number 1179, number 756. And these are all, you can look these up and read them, and it explains more fully, for instance, what it means to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And when, when Peter says that we are a royal priesthood, he doesn't mean that everyone in the church is a ministerial priest. Everyone is not sharing in the ministerial high priesthood of Christ, but we all share in the priesthood of Christ in the sense that we can offer sacrifice. We can honor God and glorify his holy name. The lay Catholic faithful are called to glorify God by in the, in the, according to the duties of their state in life in the world. We're supposed to bring God to the world and sanctify the temporal order. This is our role as laity. And yes, Vatican II and Vatican I and Pope St. Pius X called for a full active participation of the laity in the liturgy. That didn't mean the laity being in the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the domain of the priest. And if you read the documents of the church carefully, you will find that this is the truth. The lay people don't need to be in the sanctuary to be fully active participating. What does it mean to fully active participate? It means to come into the church aware of what takes place in the liturgy. The sacred liturgy, the holy sacrifice of the mass is truly a sacrifice. It's also a sacred banquet. It's not just a sacrifice. It's a sacrificial banquet where the victim is consumed at Holy Communion. So Christ is the priest, the lamb, the victim, and the altar of sacrifice who is offered to his father on the cross in an unbloody manner because Christ is now glorified in heaven and he can't suffer anymore. He suffered once for all on the cross and Catholics don't believe that we're re-crucifying Christ at mass. We believe that at mass, time and space don't exist and we become true witnesses of Christ, that the, the earth and heaven are united in a single act and that Jesus Christ who is in heaven in his risen, ascended, glorified state, offers himself to his father perpetually as an offering on behalf of sinners. Look at Revelation 5, where John sees, he hears that the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered, and he turns and he sees a lamb, a lamb who is standing, but looking as though he's been slain. 
in heaven, Christ still bears his scars. He still has the scars that he received in his passion. And, and the church expresses this in one of her prefaces for Easter by saying, the victim who immolated himself is no longer dying, but lives for all eternity. His immolated act, his act of immolated love. By the way, yes, that's a preface from the mass that was promulgated by the Second Vatican Council. The Second Vatican Council did not do away with the mass as the idea of the mass as sacrifice. We can't. The church can't change the teachings of Christ. The teachings of Christ remain the same. It's not for the Holy Father to suddenly make up a new public revelation. No, he doesn't receive any new revelation. It's his duty to safeguard and faithfully pass on the sacred deposit of faith that was left by Jesus Christ to his church. This is the job of the Pope and the bishops in union with him. And they act to safeguard the faith and pass it on to us so that we too, who have become God's own people and have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, no longer live in darkness, but live in the light of Christ. And when we offer Christ, when we, we're, when we come to mass, we're supposed to actively participate by taking our whole lives and spiritually placing them on the altar with Christ, offering them on the, putting ourselves and our lives on the paten, and then asking Jesus Christ as he acts in and through the priest by the power of the Holy Spirit to make his one eternal sacrifice present to us in time and space and uniting heaven and earth in a single act of worship, the act of worship that he offers to his father, offered on the cross, first of all, pre, 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 how do you say that, pre um, offered, uh, the, 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 the preview of it, the the first offering was at the Last Supper before he died, and then he offers it on the cross, actually offers, makes the offering, dies, really dies. He's buried. He really rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven, and now in his risen, ascended, glorified state, he offers himself perpetually to the Father. And we are supposed to participate in that. We are supposed to perpetually offer him to the Father. You know, St. Faustina once the Lord told her, from the beginning of Mass to the end, said, um, Father in heaven, be merciful, uh, be merciful. Let the precious blood of your son be on us for mercy. Father in heaven, let the precious blood of your son be on us for mercy. Father in heaven, let the precious blood of your son be on us for mercy. To pay God's mercy on us because we're sinners and the world, the people, we all offend God and we need God's mercy continually. But also we can live in this freedom and we can offer Christ. And yes, we laity participate in the priesthood of Christ as being able to offer worship to the Father through, with, and in Jesus Christ, being able to offer praise and adoration and thanksgiving and glory by being able to offer a sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of our own lives, not by being in the sanctuary on Sunday. We're not priests. We can't confect the Holy Eucharist or the sacraments. Now, there, there is a sacrament that any lay person can, can um, administer, um, and that first, the first sacrament is the sacrament of baptism. And any lay person can baptize someone who's in danger of death. You use clean water or holy water if you have it. And I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Anyone, if someone's in danger of death, a baby's in danger of death, a person's in danger of death, and they haven't been baptized, you can baptize them. The other sacrament that the laity confer is the sacrament of marriage, where the two parties who are getting married, the husband and the wife, the, wife, the husband confers the sacrament on her, his wife and the wife confers the sacrament on her husband. Well, 
the, the groom on the bride, the bride on the groom, and then they become husband and wife because they've conferred this sacrament on one another. And the, the priest is there or the deacon is there or the bishop is there as a witness for the church. Okay, so we're not priests, ministerial priests who can confect the sacraments. We can't, we can't turn the bread and wine into the body, blood, and soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. We cannot absolve people from their sins. We cannot confirm people. We cannot administer the last rites. Okay, and we can't ordain priests. Only bishops can ordain priests. Only bishops are supposed to confirm, but they can, they can give that authority to their priests, but that's ordained ministerial priests who participate uniquely in the priesthood of Christ. So each of us, when we come to the liturgy, are supposed to participate in our own way according to our state in the church. And the lay people, the state of the lay people in the church, it's our role to sanctify the temporal order. Read Christi Fidelis Laici. That's, it talks about the role of the laity and what is our role. And that, that document was after Vatican II. This isn't something and, and didn't, not that the church changed. The church didn't change at Vatican II. So we don't just throw out everything that went before Vatican II. The church is the same. As, as Pope Benedict said, it's a continuum. The church didn't become a new church at Vatican II. Vatican II didn't change the church. Well, I'm having so much fun. That time is just going too fast. But I think this is important. And I just hope all of you enjoyed this. Invite your friends to join us. I have a great story to tell you today about how to live. So don't go away. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Had, uh, was not able to be in the studio with us today. Uh, again, I, I hope you catch those catechetical moments and those little, um, those are so powerful. They're incredible. I love listening to them. And what, did you catch what St. Augustine said? Don't seek to understand so that you may believe. Seek to believe that you may understand. Faith is a gift if you want it to ask for it. And if you had faith at one point in your life and you think you've lost it, beg God. Say, my Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So faith is a gift. Ask for it. Don't seek to understand first. I don't have to understand everything. God doesn't deny our reason, but he goes beyond our capacity to reason because God is God and we cannot reason out God, but we can know that he exists. That God exists is not an article of faith, but, but there are things about God we can't know without faith. So ask God for the gift of faith. So we're talking here about the living stones and a chosen people and how do we live this out? And I want to tell you a great story. There was a priest who was asked to give a house blessing and he was talking to another priest about it. And he said, you know, I'm just so discouraged. He said, you know, I, I, this house blessing, I, these people, they're not even married. They're not living according to the teachings of the church. They're both Catholic. And what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? And the other priest said, look, just, just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words to say, you know, try to just, and so the priest, the, the house blessing was scheduled for the evening and the priest did his, his duties that day. And all day long, he prayed about this. And he, and as he pulled up to the house, he's just like, Lord, I've been in this situation so many times before and I've handled it so badly. I turn people away. I don't want to turn people away from you. I want to bring them to you. Lord, what am I supposed to do? 
walked up to the door, knocked on the door, and the, the wife answers the, the woman. They, she wasn't, they weren't married. The woman answered the door, invites him in, and he just looks around, and he started commenting on the, the beautiful, the way they had decorated their home and set it up. And so they took him on a tour of the house, and they took him through the whole house, and they, they got to one room, and it wasn't quite finished, but there was a desk, and there was a fish tank on the end of the desk, and, and, and they, this is going to be the office. We're not quite finished with it yet. And he said, oh, I see you have a fish tank. And he said, well, really, that's not ours. That's my brother's fish tank. He left it on our doorstep because he was going on a trip. Two fish have already died. His fish are like his babies. We're kind of in, you know, a, dith- a tizzy about it. Not a tizzy totally, but we're upset, you know, and, and we'd like to fix it. But we, we know, you know, we're not real good with fish. And father said, well, it, it, you know, he walked over and looked and said, well, it looks like it could use a cleaning. And the, the man said, yeah, I'm planning on doing that this weekend. And father started rolling up his sleeves and said, let's do it now. And I said, father, you don't have time for that. That's okay. And no, really, seriously, I take, I have fish tanks. I love fish. And this is awesome. This is right up my alley. Let's do this. So they started cleaning the fish tank together. And they, it took them an hour. It took them, you know, an hour. And father had said, oh, it'll just take a minute. You know? <laughs> but he does, he did, he, he did this. He sincerely, let me help you with this. Let me do something for, you know, to help you. And they, and, and as they're, doing the fish tank, they start talking and he's established rapport. They're getting friendly and they explain to him why they're not married. They both want to get married in the church, but every time the subject comes up, both of the mothers say, well, it has to be this way. It has to be this way. And both of the mothers have this view of the wedding that is way beyond the financial capacity of this couple to handle. And father's like, oh, gee, um, so as they finish up feeding, finishing, you know, they're finishing cleaning the fish tank and, and he says, you know, and they're getting ready for the, the house blessing. He said, look, um, have you ever thought of just going away quietly and getting married? Not having a big wedding, just quietly getting married? Oh, and then he said, you know, I want to make a suggestion. In a few moments, I'm going to bless your house and we're going to pray. But I'm going to suggest that the two of you pray at least in our father together every day. And ask the Lord to open the door and show you the way. And so Father blessed the house and left it at that. And and at least he hadn't, you know, estranged the couple. He hadn't driven them further. He, you know, he had got, by the grace of God, a door had been opened. And he didn't follow up. He was transferred to another parish and wasn't able to follow up. But a year later, he was sitting in a coffee shop. And he heard these two women talking. And as he overheard them talking, he could overhear them the names of this couple came up and they said, yeah, you know, the two of them went off with their parents and just had a quiet wedding. And that was the end of it. They got married in the church. (laughs) And father was like, praise you, Lord, bless you. (laughs) You know, and, and my point is here, sometimes we think that we have to hit people between the eyes with the, with the teaching of the church. This is the 10 commandments. You need to obey it. You just, well, Bishop Sheen once made an observation. He said, when somebody says something, um, try and figure out why they said that. Or for instance, when somebody's living a certain way, try and figure out why they've chosen to live that way. And don't just hit them right away with a ton of bricks. Show them your love, your compassion, your concern, not just for their spiritual well-being, but for their, their physical well-being too, which by the way, our, our spiritual well-being is the best thing we can do for our physical well-being. But we need to meet the, the, the material well-being sometimes of people too before they can accept the gospel. And they will be able to receive the gospel more readily from us 
by accepting. And Father didn't suggest, well, you know, maybe you better go to church every day and, and make a holy hour or go to mass. Or He just suggested start praying together, at least one Our Father every day. So plant the seed, let the Holy Spirit water it. Sometimes we feel like, well, this is the only opportunity I have. I'm never going to meet this person again. Well, you know, sometimes we can just say, Lord, yes, I may never meet this person again. Help me to plant a seed here. Help me to see where they're at. Meet them where they're at. But again, if they're living in sin, if they're living outside of God's will by their actions, maybe, and again, this couple wasn't, they didn't want to live in fornication, but they really wanted to get married, but they moved in together. So, and that, that's, a, you know, it's not a good thing to do, but, but be patient and pray and ask the Lord, what suggestion might they be able to accept or what help I might be able to give them in this moment and, and let the Lord open the way. Because the whole point of this is we're supposed to be servants of God. We're, you know, we, we were once, he said, beloved, I beg you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh that wage war against your soul. Peter goes on, maintain good conduct among the Gentiles. So that in case they speak against you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. God's time, God's way. I don't have to convert anyone. I need to live a life that's fully in union with the Lord, to be a witness of the Lord to those around me by the life I live, by the concern I show, by my sincere desire for their good. And, and you know, it, there's a prayer, Mother Teresa, you know, that, that um, Jesus... Uh, Lord, the shine live live in me and shine through me. You know, it's, 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 she she asked the Lord to shine through her, to be a light to others. The light, O oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me pr- thus praise you in the way you love best by shining on others. The idea is that they will see our light. By by how, by the catching force, the sympathetic influence the evident fullness of the love that my heart bears to you. I will serve you out of love for Christ. And granted, people don't always see it this way. You know, you serve your family and they take it wrong. You know, you say to someone in your family, I love you. No, you don't. Don't say that to me. You don't love me. If you loved me, you would do this and this and this, or you would give me this and this. Like, you know what? You know, it's okay. I'm willing to take that abuse. And that is abuse. But I'm willing to offer that. Again, I may not be able to correct that injustice in the moment, but I can offer that injustice in union with Christ. Again, Lord, I don't consent to the sin of anger because, yeah, that kind of abuse is going to arouse the emotion of anger. But ask the Lord for dominion over our faculties, our emotions. You know, our faith is not a feeling, and it's not about living by our emotions. Our emotions, the correct direction and guidance of our, our emotion presupposes reason. We have to use our intellect to guide and direct our emotions. And it's not always proper for us to respond. Even discipline of our own children. If we're angry at them, we need to step back, give them a timeout and say, you know what? You need a timeout and I need a timeout. So I need to go calm down because disciplined, discipline that is administered in anger is not discipline. And often I've heard parents say this, well, you're in trouble now because you upset me. Wait a minute. That's not what disciplining our children is about. Disciplining our children is not because you upset me. Disciplining our children is to bring them up in the love of God. 
and to help them to follow the law of God for their own freedom. When we disobey God, when we disobey his law, when we don't do what is God's will, we degrade ourselves as human beings. We destroy the image of God in ourselves. So when we discipline our children, it's out of love. It's out of love. No, I told you to do something you need to obey because God commanded that children are to honor their parents. And so because you didn't obey, I will discipline you. That's why you have a plan of discipline so that the first time the child obeys, you discipline them. You don't wait until you're angry. It's like, okay, now you've upset me. I tolerated you 10 times. I told you to do this. Well, you know what? You shouldn't tell them 10 times. Tell them once and then calmly say, you didn't listen. Here's your time out or, you know, this is your discipline, but in calm and in love and then consistency. And granted, we're not all 100% consistent. We all make mistakes. We go to the Lord in prayer. We go to confession on a frequent and regular basis to say, Lord, yeah, I disciplined my children in anger. I showed anger when disciplining them. And I realized that was hurtful and it wasn't true discipline. And they're not going to understand that. So please heal the wound that was caused by that anger. And, and, and then again, we want to be an example to those around us, especially our children first and foremost. You know, as lay people in the church, we're here to sanctify our homes and make them holy temples of God, a place where God is living and dwelling. And again, I ask you to read those paragraphs of the Catechism of the Catholic Church that I mentioned to you because they explain this. What is the role of the laity? That living in the temporal order and sanctifying the temporal order by being present to God at every moment and bringing his presence into every moment by being conscious of him and inviting him to live. And we do it by beginning the morning with him praying the morning offering and then moment by moment trying to live in his presence and thinking of him throughout the day and reminding ourselves God is always present to me Lord help me to be present to you and to do my duty in your presence for love of you Jesus it is for love of you for love of you I hear that music again we're coming up against a break thank you to all of our supporters the you know those who offer their sufferings their prayers their financial help thank you to all the radio stations that pick us up you want to make a donation, call that 877-526-151 number. Be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July 15, 2022. Sometimes I wish I could talk as fast as Ben Shapiro and make it be, be as clear as he is. Um, anyway, uh, so we're, Peter goes on in this second chapter to talk about um, be subject to the Lord, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. So he's talking about obeying government leaders. Now, again, no, not in sin. If they're telling us to sin, if they're approving of sinful things, if they're approving things that are against God's law, that's not what he's talking about. But legitimate laws, we obey, the, we, we keep public order. We don't cause disorder inside. We don't go out and commit violence. We don't go out and cause riots. We can pray in the streets. Remember, this is how St. Philip Neri, by the way, cleaned up the streets of Rome. When St. Philip Neri arrived in Rome, they were having public debauchery in the street every Tuesday night. St. Philip Neri's response was to gather a group of faithful devout Catholics that every Tuesday night he would go out in the streets of Rome to pray and more and more people gathered with him more and more people prayed and with two years within two years the streets of Rome were cleared up 
Let's get out there in the streets and pray that rosary. Gather your neighbors around, pray a block rosary. Start praying and asking God to come and live in our world, in our society, and to take, take, us, take us back and bring us back, okay? So we're supposed to live as free men without using our freedom as a pretext for evil. Be, but live as servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. We're supposed to pray for our political leaders and honor them. We're supposed to honor them by our prayers and our sacrifices so that they will rule justly and according to God's will. And they won't make laws that are unjust. They won't make a, a law that's unjust. A law that's against the will of God, against the law of God, is not a true law. It's a violation of what law is supposed to be, okay? Now, Peter goes on, what, who is our example? How do we do this? Christ, Christ is the living example. He tells the servants to be submissive to their masters and, and with all respect and to be kind and gentle to those who are overbearing. For if one is reproved, it says, for one is approved if, if one, one is approved if, Mindful of God, he endures pain while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it when you do wrong and you are beaten and you take it patiently? And if we do something wrong and we get in trouble for it, yet we should bear it patiently. We were wrong. And a lot, oftentimes we don't. We rebel and don't want to admit we were wrong. Let's humble ourselves and admit when we were wrong. Really need to learn this lesson. Please, Lord, help us to learn it. But if when you do right and suffer for it, you take it patiently, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. He committed no sin. No guile was found in him, or no guile was found on his lips. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he trusted to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. We have been healed, all of us. For you were straying like sheep, but now re have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Christ bore injustice. Why did he die on that cross? Look at the cross. Meditate on the cross every day. Try and spend a few minutes every day looking at the cross and reminding yourself, this is the greatest proof that there is a hell. Because if there weren't a hell, a place where people might go if they reject God and eternally suffer, why would Jesus have suffered all that he suffered on the cross? But it's also the greatest manifestation of heaven. This is how much God loves us. He didn't just die on the cross. Look at all the sufferings he's, he endured in preparation for his death on the cross. And he did this to make reparation for our sins and to free us from the power of sin so that we could live in freedom as children of God, that we who are God's dearly beloved children could live as his dearly beloved children, free from the power of sin free to worship him without fear, 
We don't have to fear death. We can put the fear of death aside. We need to trust in the Lord. We weren't made for a finality here on this earth. We're made for union with God, union with God here on this earth, but union with God eternally in heaven. We don't see God face to face on this earth, but we will see him face to face in heaven if we're faithful and pray every day for the grace of final perseverance. Jesus suffered, although there was no guile in him. There was no guile on his lips and there was no sin in him. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Christians, it's not the proper response to revile the enemies of God and the enemies of the truth. No, we don't revile them. We teach the truth, teach the truth, teach the truth, but in love and in charity and try to understand where people are coming from. Why do you believe that you're going to find happiness by living without reason? By rejecting your ability to reason, your ability to understand, your ability to see reality and live in reality. How do you think that's going to bring you truth? We don't revile. And when he was threatened, when he suffered, he did not threaten. He didn't threaten the Roman guards who beat him. He didn't threaten the one who, who, who put crowns of thorn on his head. He didn't even threaten the thieves that were dying next to him. How do you think the thief, the good thief recognized? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everybody's making fun of this man. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Wait a minute. Look at him. He hasn't done, he's innocent. You can tell he's innocent. Look at us. We're, we're cursing, we're swearing, we're, you know, calling down curses. And, and we're even reviling this man who's dying with us. And he finally woke up and he said to the other thief, what are you doing? You're under the same sentence. Have you no fear of God? You're under the same sentence. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Lord. And he acknowledges him. Lord. He calls him Lord. He acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then he doesn't ask for a share in his kingdom. He just asks to be remembered. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. First, he confesses his sins. We're being punished right for what we did wrong. He finally confesses his sin and acknowledges I did wrong and I'm sorry. And it was wrong of me to be a thief and I'm sorry. But this man has done no wrong. He confesses the innocence of Jesus Christ and then he calls him Lord. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He acknowledges them as Lord and King. And Jesus says, this day you shall be with me in paradise. Let us beg the good thief for this humility, this meekness, this grace that he won at the side of Christ on the cross by looking. He was meditating on Christ. He, instead of just complaining about his sufferings, he started looking at Jesus and seeing how Jesus was behaving. And, and so he saw, and this is it. Christ died so that we could live free of sin and live in righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Prophet Isaiah chapter 53. For you were straying like sheep, but now you have been returned to the shepherd. We can live in freedom as God's very dear children, but that's a freedom from sin. 
It's not a freedom of license. It's not a freedom to do whatever I want. It's not a freedom for me to make the rules. Look, it's going to be this way. I'm going to do it my way. Well, I'm sorry. That's the song that the souls in hell are singing. And the good thief was singing that song for a while. And then he stopped and looked at Christ and he was converted. And he said, no, Lord, I was wrong. I'm suffering justly for what I did wrong. You're innocent. You are Lord and King. And I ask only that you remember me when you come into your kingdom. Wow. Wow. So let us follow this. Read the letter of Peter. Let us be the living stones who, whose lives speak out Christ to the world, who, who allow Christ to shine in and through us. Ask the Lord to fill us with his spirit, to penetrate and possess our whole being so utterly that our, own, our lives are only a radiance of his and that we too will live in the freedom of the children of God so that when we meet others who aren't, who have strayed from the right path and who are enslaved in sin, we can offer them a way out with, without humiliating them and crushing them. Remember it says the bruised reed he will not break and the smoldering wick he will not quench. Jesus came to save everyone, but he can't save us against our will. So and until until which time, if ever, we set our will to do God's will. He can't save us. Yes, he died for us. He redeemed us. He paid the price for us. But that price can be lost on us if we do not set our will to do his will. St. Thomas Aquinas said, do you want to be a saint? And we're all called to be saints. We are all called to live in union with God. To be a saint simply means to live in union with God moment by moment, day by day, all of our life then will it. Lord, I set my will to do your will, the scripture says. I set my will to do your will. This is what God is asking of us. Set our will to do his will. Live in freedom as his children. And again, I, I encourage you, if you don't have it, to do get the Ignatius Study Bible or the Navarre Bible. I like the Ignatius Study Bible because the Navarre Bible is fantastic, but it was done before the Catechism Catholic Church was available in English. So the Ignatius Study Bible does have references to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So it helps you to better understand some of these scripture passages, a deeper meaning, and what it means for us to more fully live this life in Christ. This life of we're supposed to be living images of Jesus Christ, of, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I want to thank everyone. I want to thank our supporters, our listeners, those who pray for us, those who offer their sufferings for us. We pray for those who write in and ask for their prayers. I do try and catch up um, and, and answer your questions. Sometimes I get a little behind, but I do try and answer them on a regular basis. I've had a lot more scripture questions lately, so that was fun. I, I love answering those all the questions. Thank you for listening. Thank you to the radio stations who pick up our signal. Thank you for those who support us. If you want to give a donation today, 877-526-2151. But please, remember us in prayer. Support us as you can, according to the means of your state in life, but with your prayers and your sacrifices. And let us pray for one another, that we will truly be faithful. Have the grace of final perseverance, Lord. Grant us the grace of final perseverance. And that we will offer our lives in union with Jesus to help renew the world. 
Thank you.